Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This, is the, this day is a scripture fulfilled in your ears. And so what we are about to do in the most literal sense is what happened right here in Luke chapter 4. He read unto them from the word of God. And uh, the eyes of all them were fastened on him. That's, that's the setting we have right now. And then I read to you from the word of the Lord, your eyes are fastened on me. Amen. Let's just see what the Lord will do in this place tonight. I want to, I from this passage of scripture, my subject this evening is just simply this, Ministry 101. Amen. Ministry 101. Lord, I love you today. And I thank you for the wonderful privilege to be in your house tonight. And I'm asking you, Lord, to just honor your presence and honor your word and honor the fact, God, that we have gathered here by faith and just make a combination, Lord, of all of this this evening and pour richly into our heart the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. One of the greatest challenges that we have ever been faced with, we, like any generation before us, or should the Lord tarry any generation that will follow us, is to reach our generation with the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, there is a particular passage of scripture that has always stirred my heart, stirred my heart to a point of conviction. When I read it, I want to read it for you this evening again. I'm going to talk about a lot of things I've already talked about, but that's all right. I think it's worthy of our consideration. The book of Acts chapter 13 and verse 36, the Bible says of David, it says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers. Or after David had served his own generation and passed away and was laid to rest with his fathers. But David served his generation. Amen. I think that is the key, that David served his generation. And so we have to understand that God has called us now to reach our generation. 
I have heard, and I am sure that you have heard people somewhat cynically say things uh, like, you know, if our forefathers were to come back from the dead, they wouldn't recognize the church today. And uh, many people say that, but they say that cynically. But I would agree that they would not recognize the church today because it is a different day. It is a different hour. And I would um, submit to you that as uncomfortable as some of them may be, we may be just that uncomfortable if we were thrust back into 1930. Amen. They were serving their generation. And um, some people uh, maybe that think like that live in a very small world, but I can tell you that the church is in safe hands. I say what I'm about to say very humbly, but I've been privileged to serve on the Florida District Board for a number of years. And, and when I watch young couples that are coming in that are not only seeking to get licensed, but young couples that are, that are starting churches, planning churches, and that are accepting the call of God to take the gospel around the world, I'm going to tell you when you listen to their testimony one-on-one -on -one, and you see the fire and the flame of God that is in their soul that is just as alive as it was in the book of Acts chapter 2, can I tell you that if you think the church is going on a downhill slide, you're looking the wrong way. Amen. The church is in great hands and I'm thankful for that. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by the people that I see stepping up to the plate and allowing the Lord to use them mightily. Amen. We've had a display of young people right here in this service tonight that have touched the spirit of intercessory prayer right here in our midst. Amen. I hope you weren't yawning during all that because somebody was stretching out and reaching out. Amen. The spirit of God, a hand of God, still calling and still pulling and still tugging another generation. I'm thankful for that. I'm encouraged by that. Amen. The greater thing to understand is the fact that we are trying and I think with a measure of success to reach our generation just like our forefathers reached their generation. And so when people start trying to compare the church of today with the church of yesterday, you run the risk of missing something powerful that God is doing in the present. Amen. When we just when we always look behind us and there is just a tendency to think about uh, yesteryears with rose-colored glasses. And if we're honest, we can, we can amen that and admit that about many things in life. And I've said this sometimes, just maybe trying to make a humorous point, but some people want to hearken to the good old days or back to the good old days. But let me tell you something. Back in the good old days, there was no air conditioner. Man, I like my air conditioner. Back in the good old days, I can remember as a young boy right here on this property when the, when the restrooms were outside. Now, I can remember when they were really outside. And the ladies' restroom was a little wooden shack in that corner, and the men's outhouse was a little wooden shack over in this corner. Amen. I'm just going don't, to, I don't want to go back to the good old days. I remember when the church got indoor plumbing and and the bathrooms, but they were still removed. They were not in the same building. You had to walk outside, but, but we had running water and flushing toilets, and I don't want to make myself sound like I'm 107, but I do remember that. And so the good old days, the good old days, and I understand, I think, what we mean when we say that, 
but I'm thankful for where we are. My point is, is this, is that we can long sometimes so much to be back there until we miss what God is doing here. And that's what I don't want to run the risk of. Ezra 3 and 12 is a, a pretty startling, should be eye-opening passage of Scripture when the Scripture says this in uh, chapter 3, verse 12, says many of the old men who had seen the first house when the temple was being rebuilt, the Bible says many of the old that had seen, and I say that with great deference, but the many of the old men who had seen the first house wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. And many people shouted for joy, but the Bible says in verse 13 that you could not distinguish the sound of joy from the sound of people crying. There was one generation that was so thankful that the temple was being rebuilt while another generation was mourning what had been until you could not distinguish the sound from the joy and the weeping. Now think about that. What a, what a conundrum uh, was placed in the, uh, in, in the center of the table for everybody to observe. I want to tell you that I'm thankful for where I have been, but I'm thankful for where I am. Amen. I'm thankful for where I am. And so what happened in the midst of this mourning is that one generation missed what God was doing because they were mourning what God had done. I'm thankful for our history. I hope that that message comes across from me to this congregation loud and clear on a regular basis. I say to the Lord regularly in my own private and personal prayer, I thank you for my heritage. I'm very grateful for I realize we didn't get here overnight. I didn't get here accidentally. I'm thankful for my heritage. Amen. But I don't want to be so caught up in what God has done till I miss what God is currently doing in this place. And so the methods that are used, of course, to reach one generation uh, would fall on deaf ears and vice versa. Absolutely would fall on deaf ears. Uh, we, uh, if, if somebody could come back from the dead from 40 years ago and sit in service tonight, they wouldn't understand. Uh, they wouldn't understand a lot that's going on here, but I'm going to say it again, that if we were back there, we wouldn't understand a lot of what was going on then. Amen. And so it's, it's the methods of, of reaching a generation would be muted if we were somehow to go back that. And so I will say clearly, I hope that this goes unsaid, but I want to make sure I say that, that the message of the church should never change, never change. But the method the church has should be something that is in constant flux because in the absence of the ability to change, we hinder the ability to reach our generation. Amen. We hinder that ability. I've said so often that I'm thankful that we have so many tools available to the church. I'm just flabbergasted. I really am. I'm just knocked over at all of the abilities that we have at our fingertips. All the uh, the things that, uh, you know, many of you, some of, I'll, I'll speak to some that uh, may have been around the block a few, to, a few years. Uh, maybe years ago you taught a Sunday school class and somebody just handed you a book and said, good luck. You may not have even gotten a book at some point back in the day, just maybe good luck <laughs> with a faraway look in their eyes. I mean, we have so many wonderful tools that are available to us, not only, uh, not only material that's available to us, but techniques of how to teach and how to reach. We have just so much at our fingertips. I am just humbled by 
the fact that I'm alive in this hour to see this and to behold it with my own eyes and to experience it in my own life. I want to be able to adequately and succinctly reach our generation. Amen. I'm thankful for the tools of the church. I don't think the church is ever, the church at large has ever. As a matter of fact, I'm confident the church has never been as equipped to do the work of God as it is right now. Amen. We can reach around the world, around the world. Any of us could reach around the world with the gospel. I know that we have some personal friends who are teaching Bible studies to people that are that are in Asia, and they're teaching that uh, through their phone or their computer. And they're teaching Bible studies around the world and they're never leaving the comfort of their own home. And so I'm thankful that we are having the opportunity to see that firsthand. If we're going to adequately reach our generation, I think that, that we have to understand at least a couple of things, perhaps more. But I want to just talk about a couple of things that we must be intentional about. I believe that every service, you've heard me say this for years and years, but I believe that every service must be relevant to the needs of the people that are walking through the door. You have to understand your audience. Amen. So if you're in a hospital room and, and you're going to pray for somebody that's terminally ill, you probably don't want to start with the old tabernacle plan. You need to know your audience. Am, is that all right? You need to understand your audience. And so... I'm not just referring to services that are held, 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 in the, held here in the main sanctuary, but I believe that every ministry of the church should be re relevant. I think that student ministry, children's ministry, ladies' ministry, men's ministry, on and on, all of that should be relevant to the generation that we are living in. Amen. We need to minister to those that are there. Not only that, but I believe that every function we have, whatever that is, we must be prepared to meet and minister to the needs of the people that God sends our way. Not all of that. Not all that long ago, we had uh, a community outreach where we just got up on the platform and we sang. But we didn't do that just so that we could show our wares, or we didn't do that uh, just so that we could let people hear us sing or play or have some kind of display of talent. We did that with great prayer and fasting that went into all of that that led up to that. Why? Because we want it to be relevant, not just another night off. It wasn't just a community event. Amen. That's why we felt the presence of the Lord sweep in. That's why the anointing of God ministered. That's why I have had many people testify to this, but I know it has happened to me personally. have been stopped countless times by people in town that I didn't even know were here that night that just said, I want to thank you for what I felt. Amen. That, I think it needs to be relevant. What we're doing needs to be relevant. We have to find what fits. And in order to do that, we have to have an understanding of the times. And we must not be doing something just for the sake of doing something. Amen. When, I, when I, I'm teaching along these lines, I'm reminded of an illustration again that I've used many times here in different places when I'm teaching on this subject um, of a large Fortune 500 company many years ago <clears throat> that had all of their managers and all the heads of their organization come together for a special meeting and uh, they were outsourcing this to a, to a third-party company that was uh, going to schedule them a speaker to come in. And that speaker was going to equip them with tools to, to help them become better leaders and, uh, and uh, help this company stay out front in a very highly competitive field. And so there are companies that hire speakers to come in and do just that. And somehow 
the third party company that they had hired to get their speaker got their wires crossed and instead of bringing somebody to equip all of their leaders to stay in the vanguard and the cutting edge of, of their technological world, they somehow hired an, a comedian. It's a true story. They somehow hired a comedian for the night. And so the comedian came in and uh, he just you know, he just did what he did. He got up and he shared jokes and they all laughed and had a good time. And when, uh, when asked about the mix-up, the CEO was quoted as saying this, our employees sure enjoy the weekend, but I don't think we accomplished our goal of empowering them to become better leaders. And so when I read that, that is a little cute story, a whimsical story, but there is a powerful truth to that, that we come tonight. We didn't just come here to be entertained. We didn't just come here for somebody to get up and read a scripture or two. And, and I know I mentioned that even last Wednesday night, that we can't just get up and find a place and start and hope that it all ends well. But we need to be intentional when we come to the house of God. People have prayed about the songs that we sing. Certainly those that are going to be speaking are praying about the things they're going to be preaching or teaching on. Amen. We cannot uh, allow a, an opportunity together to just be a time that it's just about us. we got to realize that there are other people here that may have many, many needs. Now, I, I realize that we all have needs as well. And so it's not like after you become, you know, get the Holy Ghost, become a part of the church that you just got to just survive on your own. I don't mean it that way. And I know there are times when we come to church and we are burdened and we have all manner of issues that are going on in our lives and we need the Spirit of God to help us and minister to us. And so we want to certainly have a church that is healthy enough to minister to its congregants. But I believe the overarching goal ought to be to reach those that do not know the Lord. Amen. That ought to be the overarching reach is to reach the lost. Amen. Now, I, 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 we have to understand that we are not coming here so that everything can be tailored to us. Amen. And so we come in, if we have this attitude, well, I don't like that song. You know, let's be careful. Because then we're walking in and we're saying, I don't like that song and this was supposed to all be about me. Amen. But the Lord has called us to reach, preach the gospel. The Bible says to the poor. This is our text. Sent to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering a sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And so we can't afford to allow ourselves to lose sight of this because this is our calling. Amen. Luke 4 is a summary, which is a, a, a passage from Isaiah. But that is a summary of ministry 101. That is what we're called to do. The gospel to the poor, heal brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering a sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised. And so I can't, I can never stop and say, well, you know what? Uh, this is supposed to be all about me. This is supposed to be everything that I want. You know, some people like it fast. I'm just going to tell you what I know. Some people like it slow. Some people like it loud. Some people like it quiet. Some people like it hot. Some people like it cold. And if you think for one minute we could get up here and make everybody happy. There are times I'm not even happy myself. I'm just being real. But we're just trying to do our best to cast a net, to feed somebody that's a babe in Christ. 
and to feed somebody that's a veteran in Christ. Amen. So you gotta you gotta kind of soften the crackers on one end, and you gotta toughen up the meat on the other end. And so we're just doing the best I can. And this is not a there's nothing going on. This is not a preventative maintenance service. Amen. I'm just speaking from my heart. Amen. We can't allow ourselves to to adopt the mindset that every little thing that I want must be catered to. The second thing is that we have to do what works at the time in order to get the best return for our investment before you faint. We need to think about this in light of stewardship. That we need to put our energy into what's working, not our energy into what used to work. Amen. We have, to be, we have to be flexible. We have to find what fits. And I hope that makes sense. That just because we were doing something five years ago doesn't mean that that's what we need to be doing five years from now. Because if something stops working, then we don't need to just keep batting the air. And because I'm going to tell you, that leads to a lot of frustration. Personal frustration that can lead to frustration in teams. Amen. So, uh, you know, there was a time, for instance, there was a time and. Uh, some of you remember this when you could stand on a street corner with a guitar and uh, you could just start singing and people would gather and you could start ministering the word of the Lord I've lived long enough I've lived long enough I remember when the first time I can remember the first time that I ever heard of someone having to get a permit from the city to stand on the corner and to play music and to preach I was flabbergasted that you could no longer do that. But we watched not only that happen, but we, we can see in many, now you there's no such thing as that. In most cases, there's no such thing as that. Maybe in small cities, small towns, and small Bible Belt communities, you may be able to do that. But I can tell you that in a metropolitan area, that just wouldn't happen. And uh, there was a day when churches at large, churches were welcome into cities and in, into communities because people wanted the spiritual influence in a city or in a, in a community, in a town. And so uh, the local government did everything within their power to help facilitate church plants, church expansions, on and on and on. But more and more, uh, we are seeing that the, the complexion of all of that change in many senses because in some cases it boils right down to something as simple as money. Because churches are tax exempt and so cities see a church coming in and taking up a piece of property that could be taxable property. That's the truth. And so it all become about dollars and cents instead of people saying, you know what, we need the godly influence of somebody preaching the gospel. We want you to come. We want you to be here. Amen. That's just the day that we're living in. Now we can stand and curse the day that we're living in. Or we can just realize this is where we are and we're still called on to serve our generation. It doesn't mean that David had less, he had different issues to fight, of course. I believe that David could just pick up his harp and play and preach wherever he wanted to do. But he also faced other things that we're not facing in this day. And so he had to serve his generation. Amen. I believe that it, it, I think it is incumbent that we not curse the day that we just simply say, you know what, I need to stay current, I need to stay fresh, 
with the day, with the times. The Bible talks about the sons of Issachar in the scripture. And one of the things that always kind of startles or grabs my attention when the sons of Issachar is that they had an understanding of the times. They understood the time, the day that they were living in. And so we are uh, we are facing an uphill battle in many in many ways to stay out in front of the needs that we are faced with in the church. That's the absolute truth. Because the world is in such chaos and we can't we don't live in some bubble. We don't live in a in because all of that eventually makes its way to the church. And so it is all that you can do in many cases uh, just to stay ahead of the curve of all the broken things. There's so many broke there's so much I don't know how to really say this, but there's so much brokenness that the church is faced with today that it wasn't faced with even just a few years ago. Just so much brokenness. People have lived years, years and years and years looking in all the wrong places. Amen. And as an end result, they have often find their own personal lives, and not just a few, torn to pieces and themselves, uh, you know, feeling like there's nothing left to give. But can I tell you, amen, I'm thankful that they found the church. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm thankful that they found the church. And so we, if we preach and truly believe what we preach, that God is a restorer and that God is a healer of broken things, and by the way, I do preach that and I do believe that. Amen. The Bible says in Joel 2.25 2, that he said, He will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. He said, My great army which I sent out among you, I am a restorer. I will give that back. And so we have to understand that in, in light of the broken things that we are facing, we cannot afford to just come in, sing three songs, have a little testimony service, a sermon, and go home. We need a move of God. Amen. I'm going to tell you what we need every time we come together. We need, the, we need an atmosphere and the liberty to have happen what happened here in this house tonight. Amen. I had no way of knowing that was going to happen. But I said, thank you, Jesus. This just fits right into what I'm saying, that we can't just come in and say, I got my song, bless God, I'm going to sing it. If it just hair lips hell, if I've got this and I'm going to do it, if it just hair lips everybody here, we've got to say, Lord, we just need ministry to understand the power and the necessity of ministry at just the most basic level. And so come in, sweet Jesus, and sweep into this house. Amen. Move here mightily among us and let your spirit flow because because we believe that God not only can touch lives and change them, but God can give back. It's an old, old story, but it never, it's, a, it's an old by age, but it's not old to me. Amen. Of a, a lady that my wife and I met um, probably close to 35 years ago now. A lady whose mind had been completely destroyed by drugs. She could not carry on a conversation. She was in, uh, she was institutionalized and, and uh, in, a, in a mental institution in Houston, Texas. And there was a lady that was a friend of the family that knew about her, met her. And she said, I believe that I can love her to the Lord. Amen. The lady that said that's a little Italian lady by the name of Sister Marie Thomas in Sulphur, Louisiana. 
Louisiana. And she said, I believe that I can love her to the Lord. Amen. And she loved her to the Lord. She brought her to church. Her mind was so spent when she come to church that when everybody would stand, she would stand. Kathy would stand. And when everybody sat back down, she didn't know to sit back down. She would have to be told to stand and sit and, and whatever to do because she was almost just immobile, uh, immobilized by her mind being gone. But little by little, the Lord began to move in her life. She was filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. Amen, Kathy. Amen. What a tremendous story of restoration that God restored her mind. She met a young man in the church and they married, still in the church today. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That God, it's not just dual 225. It's not just a little bit of ink on a piece of paper. It's a promise that works. It's a promise that works. And so I want to be challenged to make sure that we don't just come together for church and then aim everything for us, to us. Now, I understand there's a balance that must be sought and found, but we cannot afford to just have everything tailored to meet us. It's, and it's real easy to do that. But I can't forget that somebody may be here that doesn't have a spiritual foundation under them. Amen. And, and, and I need to address that. We need to put another little stone in the foundation. We need to put another little bit of, of uh, solidity in their life. Amen. So I want to not fall prey to the mentality that everything becomes about us instead of others. And so I want to challenge your heart with something once again. Perhaps just food for thought. But I want to hurry. But through the years, I've tried to be very intentional about mentioning this from time to time. So I'm not just re rehashing all this for the sake of rehashing us. But I want us as a church to have the mindset of what we do as a church as being ministry. And that we have to understand that we have to set a pace that people can keep. I tell our leaders and other, even some of our future leaders about uh, the importance of setting something that is sustainable in, in your life, sustainable. And so, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of a, uh, not funny, ha-ha funny, but, a, but it may be a, even a little bit of that. But when you see young couples that are married and for the first little while, maybe it's just them, my wife and I were five years with before Justin was born. And so, man, for five years, if we wanted to do something, we just did it. I mean, if you just want to go to McDonald's at midnight, you just get up and go to McDonald's at midnight. That's what you want to do. And then you see young couples start having children, and then everything about their lives is a testimony and a testament to the fact that they have children. Every move they make, everything is centered around children. Back seats full of, of um, car seats, thank you. <laughs> been a while <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know all the paraphernalia that just goes along you, there's packing up and going some I mean running down to get a gallon of milk all of a sudden just turned into an act of Congress and so it changes your life drastically now I'm not, I'm not implying by any stretch of imagination that children are an inconvenience or an interruption but 
because they're worth they're worth whatever. But you've got to consider everything. You've got to recalculate everything you've been doing against what you're now going to be doing. And so a passage of Scripture, I want to mention this hurriedly in passing, in Genesis 33, I talked about Jacob last Wednesday night. But in, in chapter 32 of Genesis ends with Jacob wrestling with an angel of the Lord all night, having his name changed to Israel. And what brought all this about, well, it was a culmination of many things, but Jacob was about to meet Esau, his brother, that he had cheated out of the birthright. Things were about to get real. And so Jacob had uh, realized that Esau wanted to kill him. And he didn't know what was going to happen when they met. And Jacob was prepared for the worst. And so chapter 33 of Genesis opens with Jacob putting together a great offering, uh, you know, all kind of things to kind of build back a bridge to his brother. But when they come together, Jacob finds out at that moment that Esau had forgiven him and their relationship was restored. Now, I think it's interesting to note that Jacob was, while Jacob was working on Jacob, God was working on Esau. And we don't really know about any of those. And the Bible's pretty silent about what happened in the life of Esau. But when they came together, they just fell on one another's neck. And they just hugged, in other words. So obviously, we read in great detail about the restoration of Jacob. But God was also working on Esau on the other end. So God has a way of working those things out. And they're reunited. And then Esau invites Jacob to make a journey with him. And Jacob now has all these children and all these animals and they're all traveling with him. And so Jacob has to take into consideration not just the fact that yippee-yay-yay, I've been restored to my brother and let's just take off. But when Esau says, come with me, Jacob says, but I have all these children and I have all these animals. And so in Genesis 33, 12, he said, let us make our journey and let us go. Genesis 33 and 12 and I will go before thee. And he said, My Lord knoweth that the children are tender, and the flocks and the herds are with young or with me. And if if men should overdrive them one day, if we overdrive them one day, all the flock will die. So Jacob makes this proposal back. He said, Let my Lord, I pray thee, pass over before his servant, and I will lead on softly. According as the cattle that goeth before me and the children are able to endure until I come to my Lord in Seir or in Mount Seir. And so I think it's important to understand that Jacob intended to go there. But he just said, I've got to change my plan because I've got some people following me that can't keep the pace. Now that didn't mean he was going to change his destination. It did not mean that their restoration was all null and void. But he said, my children are tender or they're inexperienced. The idea is that the children were young and they didn't understand the hardships of desert travel. So he said, we're just going to have to set a pace that they can keep. And so I just say this to, a, to us as a church, that if we just have everything running 90 to nothing and young people, young even in the Lord people, can't keep the pace and they're all dead when we get where we're going we haven't gained anything and so we need to set a pace that people can keep 
And so he said, if they're just overdriven one day, just one day, they're going to die. And so he said, we, we've got, we can't do that. And so Jacob urges Esau not to accompany him, but just to go on. Don't wait. And Jacob said this. He said, I am going to, this is in your Bible. He said, I'm going to lead on slowly. Now that's an interesting phrase because it means the phrase lead on in this passage means I'm going to go by stages. That didn't mean that Jacob says, you know, we just walk slower than you. What Jacob was saying, I'm going to lead on softly, is that we're going to follow you, but we're going to follow you in stages. The move from one place to another was going to be a journey. The thought is that Jacob and his people and the animals are going to move, if I may put it this way, bit by bit. In Exodus 23 and 30, the Lord promised to give the children of Israel the promised land. But there was something specific in this passage that says, and I will give the promised land to you. And he says it this way, little and little. I'm going to give it to you by little and little. And I'm going to drive them out before thee until thou be increased and can inherit the land. So when the children of Israel came to Canaan, they didn't just get every square inch of Canaan overnight. They got it little by little. And so Jacob said, we're going to Mount Seir, but we're going to get there little by little. <laughs> and my intention is, is that when I get there, we're not just going to have the children with us that we started out with and the animals with us that we started out with. But if some are born along the way, we're going to be able to keep a pace and we're going to travel little by little. Amen. Jacob was leading where there was pasture and where there was water. And when we get to where there's pasture and water, we're going to stop and we're going to camp out here because we've got animals that are nursing and, and, and we've got those that are not weaned yet. And so we're going to have to take our time. Amen. They had to go where they could be sustained. Amen. We're going to come behind slowly. He said, according to the pace of the children, that is as fast as the livestock and the children are able to do it. Amen. As long as we can go and everybody can survive, then we're going to do that. That's what we're going to do. Amen. And so I just tell you tonight that as a church, that is our goal. Amen. That is our goal. I say, Lord, help us. If we get to heaven and everybody died along the way, we haven't gained anything. But if we can sustain and if we can create an atmosphere where the power of the Lord can move, where we cast a large net and say, God, somehow minister to everybody that is here this evening. Amen. You think about it with me. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you just think about it with me. So many times, and I know I've mentioned this recently, but so many times at large gatherings, a general conference or camp meeting or whatever, where there's just hundreds and hundreds of people, sometimes thousands and thousands of people, you look out there and you realize how incredibly miraculous God is because he can minister to everybody that's there some people are walking in that's the first time they've ever even been to a meeting like that they're looking around and others have been there for decades and God just has the ability to, if we are careful with what we're doing God has the ability to just minister to everybody in every service I'm going to tell you something if you leave here wanting tonight, it's on you. Because God has been in this place mightily. And so if we go home and just say, well, I just wasn't fed. Well, it may just be that you didn't pick up the fork. Amen. It, it may just be that you didn't slide up to the table. Because God has been in this house 
tonight. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love you tonight, Jesus, and I thank you for the privilege to be here. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy and for your love toward us, Lord. We're going to give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and greet one another. Would you do it? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.